Stand Christian greetings to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's good to see each one here. It shows me that there is an interest in your life for the things of God. Open your Bibles to Isaiah 61. I want to read one verse out of here. The title of the message this morning is The Appearance of the Redeemed, and I'm going to be talking about the issue of our attire, our outward appearance. Now, I'm not going to be giving you the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots this morning, but rather to give us some biblical insight to help us guide us in our wardrobe decisions, in our appearance, our styles, our fashions. But what I want to get out of Isaiah 61 here is that the fact that God has clothed us, He has covered us. Now, this is a spiritual sense, but I want to us to kind of keep this, those two things there in mind, the clothing with the garment of salvation and the covering with the robe of righteousness as, a, as not just the springboard for the message this morning, but also as a guiding thought as we go through the message and, and live out our lives. Isaiah 61 verse 10 says, I will, re- I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me In the garments of salvation, he hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Now, if you want to turn to 1 John chapter 2, this is another verse, verse 15, that is very key to this subject. And it's broader than this subject of our outward appearance, of our attire, but it affects it. 1 John 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's not a long verse, but yet it says a very precise and and very distinct message. Now, in this topic of our attire, so many times we want to think of it as being just this insignificant issue. If we don't talk about it, it just goes away and nobody has to worry about it, right? But it's important that we address this topic because the clothing and the styles that we adopt really are making a statement of who I am for God. As I said, it's not a topic that we really like to talk about because, in fact, The fact is that for the majority of us, we don't like being told what to do. We don't like being receiving guidance too well um, in this topic. There's others as well. And so there's a tendency for the the bristles or or hackles to rise as we get on this topic. And there's there's a tendency, been a tendency in church history for conflict to arise out of this topic. And it doesn't matter if it's in the home. It doesn't matter if it's in the church, wherever it's at. Several years ago... I read in that the Dundee Central School was giving a number of differing guidelines concerning dress code. And I couldn't believe that I was reading that they were even considering, according to the article in the Observer, they were considering a school uniform. It's like, well, this is kind of out of the ordinary for our present-day schools and the public school systems. But the point I'm making here is that this is a subject that it's a problem we need to address no matter who we are and where we live. And I think it is often fueled in a negative way 
by those who say that God really doesn't care how we dress, what, our, what the outward looks like, and they reinforce it that God is really only looking in the heart. And there's an element of truth to that. If you remember back when God sent Samuel to choose a king for Israel, what did he say as, as, as Jesse's sons, one after the other, passed in front of him? He said, God said, man looks on the outward, but I look on the heart. I'm paraphrasing. And that is true. But this morning, I want to buy through God's word to see what the Bible has to say about our outward appearance. And I believe that the scriptures are going to show that God does indeed care what his redeemed are to look like, what his people are to be dressed like. I also think we need to acknowledge that while this may be a conflict that is perceived as an outward battle, it's really a battle of the heart. It is a spiritual battle. And the reason it's a spiritual battle is because Satan from the beginning in the Garden of Eden came along and he declared war on all things of God and all things godly. And he has continued his battle against the church and his followers. I mentioned that our apparel, our dress styles, all that, all that appears in the outside really is a statement of who we are. And I think I'm, I'm going to take this a little bit deeper because what I'm putting on the outside is a display of where I'm placing my allegiance. If we believe that we are to be the child of God and we are to be living victoriously for him, we cannot roll over and play dead saying it doesn't matter what the statement we're making with our, with our physical, physical position if the world is willing to spend millions and millions of dollars in the clothing industry, in the fashion industry, in the makeup, you name it, and constantly changing styles, all the while emphasizing the wrong things. I believe the church and the, and the people of God have an obligation to take a stand against those things and to counter-teach with what God wants the redeemed to wear. One of the thrusts that I want us to get from this message is that everything we wear, the styles that we accept, the things that we put on, the things that we proclaim with our outward, need to point to Jesus Christ. It needs to honor Him. It is, it is detrimental when, it is, when our outward is designed to satisfy our own lust or to bring attention to ourselves. My first point is that our attire makes a heart statement. And as I mentioned already, any reference that is, is made to dress and to clothing and to the things that we wear, the things we put on, historically has been a major source of conflict within the church. We all like to wear the things we want to wear, how to wear it, and where to wear it, and we don't like being told how to do that. Now, what's that attitude really say? I think it's evident that, first of all, it's our tendency towards pride and selfishness, but also it's a, it's a, it should, that attitude shows how deeply the world's lure has, is actually affecting us. Now, I mentioned Adam and Eve back in the garden. This conflict, this, 
This tension began way back there when Adam and Eve sinned. It caused a division of loyalties between God's holy pattern for living and man's fleshly desires. And, and it was talked already about this morning in, uh, in the devotional. I appreciated that. God created man and woman in his own image. And, when he, and the picture that I get as we read those scriptures, we're not going to turn to them, but as when he got done, when he created man and woman, he stood back and he said, it is very good. And not only did God create man and woman, he came alongside and he established the principles and the boundaries in which he expects us to live. And he did that for our own good and for his honor. Satan came along and his strategy is to undermine God's honor. And in that strategy... He does everything he can to attack and discredit God, to attack and discredit his principles. And then he comes along and he continues to attack to discredit God's followers. And so this area of dress is a huge battlefront because <clears throat> what we see on the outside is almost always a reflection of what is on the inside. Giving it, we can't read, I can't sit here and read your hearts this morning and your minds, what you're thinking. I can tell your minds are, the wheels in your minds are going. I can't tell you what you're thinking. And I can't, I, I can't always know where you're going. But it gives us an idea of where we're headed. And so the battleground is the heart. And Satan wants our hearts and so he, he wages this terrific battle for control. He knows how to wage battle for our souls, for our hearts. He's good at it. And he will do anything he can to get our, his foot in the door, in a crack of a door, if we're willing to let him. He knows what we're attracted to. He knows what appeals to the flesh. And he loves to set those things before our eyes in every area of life. We all know we're bombarded on all sides with the allurement of worldly dress and fashion, things that discredit God and pull our thoughts and minds away from God. The question is, are we following those worldly fads? Are we seeking our dress standards and patterns from the world? Are we going to allow the world and the world's runways, fashion runways and Ultimately, Satan to dictate how I, as a child of God, am going to appear? I don't remember this, but I read in my studies here about a time when bobbed hair was becoming very fashionable. And I didn't, even, I didn't go back and look to see what bobbed hair, so I don't even know what this is referring to. But the as the story goes, there was this one southern governor who did not want his two teenage girls to have bobbed hair. So one day after school, they were pleading with permission, Dad, please let us have bobbed hair. And one of the girls used the remark that so many people make, Dad, everybody's doing it. The governor asked his daughters, wait a minute, whose daughters are you? And they said, well, we're, we're yours. The governor responded, sure, you are the daughters of the governor, but you don't follow the styles, you set them. Where and how are we, what are we following? Is it the latest fads? Is it the latest styles? Or are we obediently setting the styles of our apparel 
the, the, by following God's words for the direction of how we're going to live and adorn ourselves as we journey through life. Brothers and sisters, whether we want to admit it or not, we indeed are making a statement with the clothes we wear, the styles we follow, the things we put on. We are making a statement. Either we're going to be showing to God and to those around us that we truly love him and we desire to follow in obedience to his word, or we're making this statement, or the statement that we're making to God is that his word really doesn't matter. Because I prefer to follow the pleasures of the world. And so our attire, while it's not the, it's not the physical on the outside, is not the heart, it says much about the heart. And so there's a question we have to ask each and every day, is that is the story of my appearance, what is that story saying? I want to look at next some guiding principles to godly apparel. Turn with me to Matthew 22. Be looking at several different passages where Jesus gave guidance, maybe not in direct, directly to these, this topic, but more to the heart that will directly affect this topic. And the first guiding principle I want to look at is that of loving God intimately. Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. Matthew twenty two forty. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was the lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Notice this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thine soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Contemplate what verse 40 is saying. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. When I look at these verses here, to me, this whole topic, we find the heart and the soul summed up in these, in these verses here. God longs to have a close loving relationship with him. But when you and I are following the script of the world, and we are allowing the distractions of the fads and the fashions of the world to divert that love, I think it's right to question our love for God. Is it the way it needs to be? Is it, am I giving my all? Where is my focus? In courtship, when a young couple gets to, learns to, starts learning to know each other, they will go out of their way to learn what, what the other person, their other special person, likes or doesn't like, and then they will go out of their way to apply those things. I do not deliberately, now I'm not in courtship anymore, yesterday was our 23rd wedding anniversary, but I'm still courting my wife. I don't go out of my way deliberately to aggravate her for the things that I know she doesn't like. I may do it unintentionally, that's where forgiveness comes in. But I do go out of my way to intentionally do the things I know she likes. In one way, we can tell where people's love is at by the things they try to do to please God and to please others. It's an expression of love. And the lack of love is displayed 
when they do things that displease another. The point here I'm trying to make is that our love for God is expressed in a very similar way. If we are truly obedient to God's great commandments, what was it? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and might. We are going to be truly conscientious to obey and please the Lord because we love him. And that translates that God is the first and foremost person that we seek to honor with our attire. That's talking about the clothes we choose, the styles we follow, the way we do our hair, other adornments. And so the question becomes about our clothing, not how much it's going to exalt or praise myself, but rather how much it's going to display that I love and honor God with my attire. We take the dangerous approach of separating our love for God from our outward appearance. But in reality, as I mentioned already, our attire, the things we're wearing, the fashions we follow are indicators of just how deep our love for God is or else it's going to show that our love for him has cooled off as we transfer some of our desires and some of our love to the things of the world. So love God intimately. The second guiding principle I want to give is found in Luke, or I'm going to Luke 9, turn there. Denying self and taking up your cross. Luke 9, verses 23 to 26. And again, this is Jesus speaking. Luke 9, 23. And he said, unto, said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Luke 14, 27 in the Amplified Version reads this, reads this way. If a person wills to come after Jesus, let him deny himself, that is, disown himself, forget, lose sight of himself in his own interests, refuse and give up himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The idea of cleaving steadfastly to God, conforming everything about me to the example of Jesus Christ. Now, how does, maybe you're asking the question, how do these verses fit into this topic of, of our attire? Simply that these verses are telling us that anything that Satan uses to exalt self or to make self look better for our own purpose over that which is pleasing to God is a problem. Any tactic, any trick, any trinket that, he, that Satan uses to, to reach his goal of distracting us, keeping our focus off of God. And, and, and so that's where I'm applying this to that of our attire, to our dress. Remember, the fashions of this world are, not designed, are designed to not necessarily cover as what God's original design was, but rather to attract attention. Attract attention to the physical body, either in a lustful form or to the carnal mind. Seeking man's approval through flashy attire. 
And the purpose with those things there is the portrayal of self. When we considering our clothing, we consider the styles of fashions that we intend to follow or not follow. We need to remember the world's design of clothing is to appeal to the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. All of those are exaltations of self. Jesus went to the cross. And just as the cross meant death to Jesus, he was doing something his flesh was rebelling against. But he knew it was right. He knew it was the will of the Father. And his will was to please his Father. Jesus makes it clear that if we're unwilling to take up our cross and to follow him, we cannot be his disciples. We will purchase clothing. We will purchase our things for our attire, things that are pleasing to God, whether others do it or not. It means that we're going to obey God's command in wearing modest, God-honoring clothes, even if we're made fun of for doing so. Remember, the battle is for the heart, and the battle for the heart for the child of God to be clothed in a godly manner is not just a once-and-done thing. This is a lifestyle. This is a daily decision, and we, brothers and sisters, are going to be needing to put some focus on this issue over and over again because we are faced with the temptations that Satan, that master warmonger, has placed in front of us because he wants to test every single one of our resolves to deny ourselves and follow God. Another guiding principle is uh, found in Romans chapter 12. Turn there to, with me, verses 1 and 2. This is an often a go-to passage in the issue of nonconformity. And I want to look at some things out of here for the third guiding principle to godly uh, appearance. Be not conformed to the world's standard. Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not transformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The NIV reads verse 2 as such. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And the Amplified reads the first phrase there, do not be adapted to its external superficial customs. Now, I see three things in here that Paul tells us we need to do in order to know the will of God. First of all, he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that we give up, something that we surrender control over to another. In, in, the, in the Jewish worship services, they had sacrifices of animals, and these animals gave up their lives. Paul's saying we are a living sacrifice. So this is a daily living thing. It is a decisive dedication of your body to God. You're telling God, God, I want everything about me, my heart, my will, my desires to worship you. Secondly, Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. And this is where it gets tough. Because here it means there is a heartfelt, sincere decision to say no to worldly patterns. And you'll notice that Paul doesn't stop with just saying, do not conform. Because, believe me, we are going to conform to something. 
But he takes us and he emphasizes the word transformed. Or I'm going to put the emphasis on the word transformed because I think it's better we focus on that one. Being transformed by the renewing of our minds, which leads to us conforming, because we're going to conform, to the pattern established by God's will. Which, by the way, is good and acceptable and perfect. Isn't that what we all desire? Good, acceptable, and perfect? Well, let's trans be transformed by the renewing of our minds to do God's will. True conformity means denying our flesh and the world's way of dress and conforming our lives around God's measuring stick, His Word. Thirdly, Paul says we are to receive that renewed mind. Is my heart, is my life so focused on pleasing God that we have put on the mind of Christ? It means we're going to ask God, give me the same attitude, the same mindset about the fashions, about the fads, about my attire that you have. It means I'm going to accept God's word when he, when, he, when, when he writes, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the Father, the love of the Father is not in him. Brothers and sisters, we are drawn. We have our flesh is drawn to the things of the world and the fashions and the statements that are made for our attire from the world. But the world does not know the Lord. And so how can we expect to know the will of God if we are conforming the ways of our attire and getting our guidance from a world that doesn't know Jesus and whose prince is Satan. Yeah, I went there. The person who knows and follows after and complies with the fashions and the fads that come from the world's fashion runways is going to be clouding his ability to see the will of God. Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The last guidance I want to give you this morning is that our appearance must glorify God. I've been looking at just some ways that our attire is to is to some guiding principles. But it must glorify God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 to 33. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, and whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. He goes on in verse 32. Give not offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. A guiding principle as we are making decisions about our attire is that it must, we must do all for the glory of God. In the introduction, we read that verse from Isaiah where it talked about the redeemed of God being graced with the garment of salvation, a robe of righteousness. And in light of those almost undescribable gifts that God gives us, how do, am I responding in relation to my clothing? When I'm selecting my clothing, when I'm selecting my hairstyle, when I'm selecting whatever it might be that affects my, my physical appearance, do I have a practice of asking if this is going to honor God? Another question we can ask that, that Paul brings out in 1 Corinthians, 
Is this going to be an offense to somebody, causing them to stumble in their walk with God? Or, God forbid, we're only doing this to please myself. Our appearance, our attire needs to be by design and by deliberate decision bringing glory to God. If we keep that in the forefront of our minds as we're choosing our attire, it's going to make a difference in what we choose. We'll look next to some practical principles for our for a proper appearance of the redeemed. Turn back to Numbers chapter 15. I had said earlier that our attire is an identifier. It makes a statement. Numbers 15. Verses 37 to 41. And this is the Lord talking to Moses so that Moses could instruct his people on how on how to do some things. Numbers 15, 37. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes on the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put on upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you, go, you used to go a-warring, that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. And I want to include verse 41 in here because many times as God was creating covenants with his people, he was making statements to his people, he would often emphasize what 41 says, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord that brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. God was instructing the Israelites here to make these, these tassels with this, the blue cord in each tassel and to fasten them in the corner of their garments. And I'm sure most of us remember the Galilean service that we had here a couple weeks ago. Brother Clifford Schrock spoke deeper onto that there. But the purpose of those tassels was Part of the reason was to be a distinctive identification for the Jews as God's people. They were also to wear them as reminders of God's commands. They were daily reminders. Okay, yes, I am to be faithful to God. Rather than to be chasing after the nations around them. The way we dress needs to be a reminder that we are to be identified as a follower of God. And conforming to the fashions of this world only causes us to seek the things of this world. And so there's, this is why we have taken a stand as Lakeland Mennonite Church and, a, and, and broader as a Mid-Atlantic Mennonite Fellowship. We've taken a stand. We've given some issues and some, some uh, creeds, if you will, some guidances on what we're going to wear and how we're going to wear it. Because it, those are ways that keep us focused on the word of God, but they also help keep us from identifying with the world and to keep us identifying with the Lord. Another principle that I want us to know is that in Deuteronomy 22, verse 5, our attire must be distinctive between male and female. Deuteronomy 22, 5, The women shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. And we can see this firsthand all around us in society, how this distinction is being blurred. Society is promoting not just an area of clothing and hairstyles and all this stuff, but it's a huge part of it. That 
fit for both man and women. I guess you could argue the word fit there. And I believe it is a deliberate attempt to eradicate the distinctions between God's creation of male and female that he intended them to be. And dress patterns and styles is one of the bigger areas where they're promoting this. Simon Schrock, in his book, What Shall the Redeemed Wear, told of a time that he was at a meeting with a friend where there was hundreds of Christians. And he sat behind a person who had long hair and wore trousers. And Simon turned to his friend and he asked, what is it? They weren't able to know for sure whether it was a man or a woman. There was another story that I came across. It was about a French student who was traveling through Europe with a false photograph on his passport. He was never stopped, even though the photograph was of his cocker spaniel. And there was a red-faced border official that said, well, it's just the way they wear their hair these days. Brothers and sisters, the redeemed, those who, are, who God is clothing with the garment of salvation should be wearing clothing that is distinct and leaves no question of the gender. We dare not follow society where they're blurring the lines, where they have destroyed the lines, and are actually promoting it. God's plan for man and for woman was that there is a clear distinction. And things that blur that distinction are outside the will of God. Another practical way that we need to look at this, found in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, is just one of the passages. For sake of time, we're not going to be turning too many. But our attire is to be modest. And Paul tells Timothy, a young pastor, in like manner also, 1 Timothy 2, verse 9, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. And here we see the principle of modesty. Now, this verse is talking directly to our sisters. But I believe that the principle of modesty is applicable to any child of God, man or woman. And again, look at the fashions of the world that are controlled by Satan and those who do not know the Lord. And we need to remember that it is the work of Satan who is controlling that. That being said, the design of worldly apparel is not designed specifically to cover as it is to reveal as much as possible as is allowed by society's standards. And we all know that society's standards are slipping deeper and deeper in the gutter every day. The World Book Encyclopedia says that throughout history, people have worn clothes more for decoration than for covering the body. The ungodly dress in ways to make themselves attractive, but all for the wrong reasons. And so the purpose of the child of God is that his or her appearance needs to glorify God, not to draw the eyes of another to the body in a lustful manner. And he, will, he or she will dress accordingly in a modest way that covers the body. Clothing that is designed to cling to the body does not promote purity. And sometimes is no better off than not having enough to properly clothe. Something I, I read, or I thought, and I want us to get this. Immodest apparel is one of the greatest factors to society's moral decline. 
talking about the outward, but remember, we're, the, the outward is an indicator of the heart. But when we are immodest, the guardrails to the eyes have been removed. Purity is lost. And I want you to think this one through carefully. If we are dressing inappropriately, and I want to give a, a thought here, modesty does not refer to just properly clothed or properly fitting, but what is appropriate. And if we are dressing inappropriately, we are contributing to the moral breakdown of our generation. So our dress standard needs to be such that when we look at another person, we are seeing them as a person that God loves. We are seeing them through his eyes, not as an object to fill, fill my own lusts. Another guiding principle we need to think about is that our attire needs to be non-conformed to worldly patterns. Talked about that a little bit. But we need to keep it simple. We need to keep it free from worldly trappings and the extras. And I'm not going to elaborate deeper on that this morning. But our appearance is to reflect that we are indeed that living sacrifice that has been given over solely to holy living for the kingdom of God. Our attire is to be consistent and economical. I'm giving some practical guidance here. By consistent, I'm referring to it being consistent throughout the week. We don't have one standard for Sunday and another for every other day of the work. We don't, we don't put, put, off, put on modest clothing and appropriate clothing just for Sunday morning in, in our appearance, and, and we go back to the world stands for the rest of the week. We need to be consistent. Consistent dress helps us avoid following the, the latest fads as they come and go. Economical attire means clothing. We're, gonna, we're going to attire ourselves with clothing that's not specifically designed for one occasion and never, never worn again. It means that it's going to serve its intended purpose to cover appropriately, not for show, not lavish, not decked out. The last guiding principle I want us to reflect on is that our attire needs to be considered part of our witness, our testimony. When we're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're witnessing to someone else. If we're doing so while we're wearing an article of clothing or we have a, a fashion fad that we're following, and it's advertising a lavish and immoral lifestyle. It is inconsistent and detrimental to our testimony, and we will lose our effectiveness as messengers of the gospel. On the other hand, when our attire is modest and simple and consistent with the word of God, the world will have a better opportunity to look past the messenger to the message. After all, is that not the Great Commission? Let's not allow ungodly dress to impede our effectiveness as soldiers for the king. And I have six appeals that I won't leave with you yet to preserve God's principles and to stand against the principles of the world. Be humbly open before God with your attire. <laughs> when was the last time that you went before the Lord and prayed about a decision, clothing, you name it? Be assured that God cares about it. And then will in your heart that the Holy Spirit is, has full allowance to be in full control. Invite him into the wardrobe of your heart and the closet of your souls. Let him inspect your outward appearance. 
Another appeal that helps us preserve God's principles and stand against the principles of the world is prayerfully discern who is calling. Where is that allurement coming from? I thought about the temptation of Christ. He was there in the wilderness, and Satan came to him and presented those temptations. On the surface, not one of those temptations was in of themselves really wrong. What was wrong was who was asking Jesus to do them. What was wrong was who was going to get the honor. And so my appeal to you is discern and understand that some things do not belong on the body of a Christian because of who introduced them. Where do they come from? If it's from the world's fashion runways, it's likely going to disgrace the principles of God. Another appeal I have is support the church in tackling this issue. In Acts 16, Acts 15 and 16, we had the Jerusalem Council. And in Acts 16, they made some decrees and delivered them to the church. Verse 4 says, for to keep. It wasn't just a recommendation. This was something they said the church needs to keep. And if you go back and study that there in Acts 15 and 16, you'll see that they teach us the value about setting some standards. We as a body of Christ, as the, as a, as the church of Christ, we need to have some standards. Because biblically-based standards help individuals and our churches to remain pure unto God and to grow in godliness. So let's support each other. Let's be willing to accept the standards that we have said we would when we became members of this body, rather than just let the issue of attire go to the world, go with the world. Another appeal I have is lovingly obey the church and the standards. Kind of going hand in hand with the next one. But preserve God's principles by choosing willing obedience to the church standards. When we became members, we all hopefully read over our handbook. And there's a few guidance in there. There's not a lot about our attire, about our physical appearance. We said, I promise to uphold these standards. And that sometimes, sometimes takes some willingness, some humbleness, some submissiveness. A willing heart will more quickly see the purpose of the church's standards as guardrails that keep us out of the ditch rather than imprisoning us inside a prison wall. Another appeal I have is, and this was for the men, brothers, dress to compliment your wives. Our sisters stick out in society where our brothers can blend in, blend in in quotes with the crowd. Too many times I've seen a Christian couple where the woman is exemplifying godly principles in her attire while her husband is standing there with a form-fitting shirt that has anything but something godly on it. We need to dress to compliment our sisters. Please dress in a matter that will complement their modesty and the decency expected of them. You're not only helping them out, but you're helping the image of the home and the church by your stand. And then finally, my appeal is follow the things that speak for Christ and the church. Story is told of a Civil War soldier who thought that he should wear both gray and blue. His reasoning was that if he wore the coat of one side and the trousers of another, neither side would shoot at him. 
well, it didn't work out. You can see how that would work. Instead of becoming, avoiding becoming a target, he was literally fired on by both sides. There was confusion. There was no clear identification as which side he represented. And so follow the things that speak for Christ in the church. Follow God's principles that clearly identify you as on the side of Christ in the church. In closing, I trust this message was encouraging and stimulated our thinking. Continue remaining faithful to God's principles in your appearance. Remember, as we, as we go back to the introduction and we looked at Isaiah 61, we talked about the, the, the garment of salvation and the robe of righteousness. And I trust that as we remain faithful to God, that when we come to the, to the day of judgment and we stand before God, he will see us with the garment of salvation and the robe of righteousness. Awaiting their king's decree to enter in to, the, to thy joy. My question to you, I want to leave with you, is should not your earthly attire reflect and speak of your hope of the heavenly attire? Let's be faithful in fulfilling God's principles until the coming of our Savior. Shall we kneel for prayer? Father in heaven, thank you for today. We thank you for your word and the guidance it gives us in life. Lord, we know because of the struggle that you yourself as, as the son who came to earth and he was tempted in all things as we are, that you understand the battle. You know where the battlefront is. That it is, it is a battle of our hearts. Lord, help each one here this morning to seek your face, to allow your Holy Spirit's guidance as we tackle this topic of our attire, of our appearance. We're, there's, there's so many pulls, there's so many temptations that can cause us to lose focus of your salvation, of who you are, of your principles that you established. And Lord, over time, there has been so many people who have said that it doesn't matter. But Lord, it doesn't take much digging into your word, your guidance, to recognize that it does matter. That the appearance of the redeemed needs to reflect that we're honoring and choo choosing to love you. May that be a goal. May our testimony not be marred by the appearance of ungodliness. May we be found faithful. Keep us strong until the day you come. In Jesus' name, amen.